0: Christmas season in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, pretty good place to start. With Jesus, as John declares, is the light of men. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, I want you to turn, it, turn in it to John, chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there is one provided for you there in the pew pocket in front of you. The Gospel of John in the New Testament, chapter 1, and I want to pick up reading in verse 4 as John introduces to us Jesus and His Advent. If you're physically able, I would invite you, if you would, to stand as we read God's Word uh, together. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, reading through verse 9. This is what the Word of God has to say. In Him was life. He came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. You know, when, when they sometimes you'll hear people write articles or talk about the, the inventions that are the most significant inventions that have changed the world. And, uh, you know, in the modern world, we might say the internet or something like that, computer technology. But, but I, I, continue to believe that the singular invention that has most radically changed the world around us is not only electricity, but, but the electric light bulb. It, it, really, you can divide world history in, in some way between before electricity and after electricity. It changed the way we work. It changes the way we, we live. And in so many ways, we are able, through lighting, to push back against Darkness. No longer today are our schedules of our lives dictated by the rising and the setting of the sun. And yet, even the, with all of this transformational invention, we still remain totally dependent on the presence of light. Light reveals what is, light exposes truth and disposes or, or, or dispels lies. In fact, one of the most basic things we rely on is light for our ability to move around and find our way. If you've ever been in a situation that is in total darkness, you are totally lost and, and, uh, and vulnerable. Without light, we are lost. Not confused, not turned around, but without light, we are completely and totally and hopelessly lost. Without light, direction has no meaning, and yet even the faintest of light can be useful to give us direction and, and hope. Uh, you may be familiar, or maybe you're not, with the name Jim Lovell. He is probably best known for being the commander of the Apollo 13 mission that was supposed to go to the moon, but, but uh, so tragically wasn't able, but was able to, um, by, to return, return home. He tells the story of when he was a, a young pilot, and uh, he had had some training in, off the coast of California in nighttime flying, but, but the, really the first time that he was required to use that training was, was in the field, when he was flying off the coast, off a carrier, off the coast of still occupied Japan. And uh, he was, it was supposed to be a very simple mission. He was supposed to to, to go up and, and, and fly just a little bit out, stay in the pack and uh, of other planes and then come back and land on the carrier. Because of some weather issues he was later told just circle the carrier and then land. All of this should have been very simple but as it is sometimes circumstances conspire against you and when he got up off the carrier he lost track of the other planes and, and in the darkness of night without the help of instruments he quickly lost the uh, this a site of the uh, of the carrier but no problem there's an instrument on those airplanes that would allow them to hone in on a radio signal of which the carrier was admitting and he should have been able then to fly directly to the to the carrier the only problem was his instrument picked up on a radio signal in, out of Japan and so without light without without knowing which way is the sky and the and the uh, and the sea, without any, um, um, without any light giving him any sense of direction, he simply began to fly his plane toward the radio signal. And he knew, in fact, after a while that it was taking too long. And so he became very aware that he was lost, flying in the wrong direction. And that's a scary moment. He thought, well, I'll turn on a little, a little, had a little, a little nightlight type thing in the in the cockpit that would allow him to see some of his instruments, and maybe that would allow him to, to make his way back. And when he did turning on that light, caused all of his instrument panel to short out. So now he's flying blind in the dark, doesn't know where he's going, can't even now follow any radio beacon, and he realizes he's in big trouble you ever been in a situation where you're total blackout darkness? Scary any situation, but when you're in a plane, the sky looks just the same as the ground. And trying to find a carrier in the middle of an ocean, even more challenging. But when all of the lights in his cockpit went out and his eyes began to adjust, he did notice that out in front of him was a very faint green hue in the water. And he understood that, uh, he, under, he knew what it was. It was, a, it was an algae in the water that when the props of the carrier churned through it, it caused the, the algae to have a, a fluorescent glow. And he could see that. In the darkness of night, he was able to see that. He pointed his plane, followed the algae, and in fact was able to bring himself safely back to the carrier and land that night. Light. Even the faint glow of algae in the water can be the difference between life and death. As John begins his gospel, he begins with this most powerful introductory word. In him was life, speaking of Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This Advent season, I, I want to. Pre- I will be preaching each sermon from the Gospel of John, declaring the good news that God's promise has been fulfilled and that the Messiah Jesus has come. And from the Gospel of John, I want us to see that he has come to disperse the darkness. That's what we're going to speak about today. That he has come to bring salvation, that he has come to pay our ransom, that he has come to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the King of our hearts and to set us free. So today we begin with the glorious truth that Jesus has come to disperse the darkness. I want us to see this morning that the light of Christ dispels the darkness of this wicked world. That the light of Christ is the light that overcomes the power of darkness. And that the light of Christ is the only, the one and only genuine, true light of God. Let's begin with that hopeful word that the light of Christ dispels darkness. You you, you see that in the very beginning there in verse 4 where John writes these words, in him was life and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. You know, when light shines in darkness, it does a couple of things. And the first thing it does is it reveals. It exposes what is. When Jesus came, when when the Bible says that he was the light of men, when Jesus came, he revealed to us the knowledge of God. When John says in verse 4 that Jesus is the light of men, he is saying that Jesus is the one who knows God the Father and who makes God the Father known to man. Jesus entered into a world that was full, and I mean full, of religion. Many in the day of, of Jesus and when the messiah jesus came we're attempting to know god please god and earn god's favor through their own religious efforts but friends outside of the light of christ god cannot be fully known the old pagan promise that all hills lead to the same summit is a lie only jesus reveals the truth of god the father The birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise that he had made all the way back to Eve. In Genesis 3, during the aftermath of the first sin and the consequences that it brought most everything today, all the brokenness of today, all the woundedness of the day, all the despair today can be explained, though oversimplified, it can be explained by simply saying Genesis 3. Now you might ask, well what in the world happened in Genesis 3? Genesis 3 is where Adam and Eve sinned and the consequence of sin entered the world and from that moment on the entire world and all the descendants of Adam and Eve were under the curse of sin. Genesis 3 is where death entered the world. Genesis 3 is where the brokenness of sin entered the world. So all of the things this side of heaven that are broken, defiled, stained, and under the curse of heaven began, under the curse of sin, began at Genesis 3. In the darkness of sin, the world is confused. In the darkness of sin, the world is blind to truth. Yet even as God pronounced to Adam and Eve that they and their descendants would live under the curse of sin and the related consequence, even in that that moment, he promised Eve that one day her descendant would crush the head of the deceiver. And friends, Jesus would indeed crush the head of the deceiver, but he would also do so much more. He would restore what sin had destroyed, and he would be the light of God perfectly revealing the truth. Of God now this is not a new concept in fact all through Scripture God is described as light that God is light just just a few representative verses here Psalm 27 1 says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid Psalm 37 verse 6 says he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Psalm 36 9 says for with you is the fountain of life in your light do we see light. Psalm 433 says, "Send out your light and your truth, let them re- lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling." Psalm 89:15 says, "Blessed are the people who know the, 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 the fest- uh, the, uh, who know. The festival shout, "Who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face." psalm 104 verses 1 and 2 says bless the lord O my soul let let my god you are my you are very great you are clothed with splendor and majesty covering yourself with light as with a garment stretching out the heavens like a tent and then of course in the new testament first john one verse five says this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that god is is light and in him is 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 no darkness at all from the very foundations of the world god has been represented and understood as light when john declares the advent of jesus he picks up on that that familiar old faithful truth and says jesus now is the light of men The law pointed to the holiness of God and the sinfulness of men. The light of Christ more perfectly revealed the glory of God and it more perfectly revealed the brokenness of sin. But he also revealed the truth of the gospel and the hope of salvation that all who believe in Jesus might know Jesus and by knowing Jesus might know God. Somebody say amen. Light dispels the darkness. Friends, we understand that and this is a principle we see in nature as well, that life is only in the light of God. Notice how John puts these things together in verse four. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In the natural world, life is dependent on light. And I think this is a a created reflection, the greater truth that our spiritual life is dependent upon the life and the light of God. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus would declare, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, eternal life is only found in the light of christ abundant life in god is only found in the light of christ the law declares the glory of god the righteousness of god but to you and i it only condemns our good works may may have some temporary benefit, but they will never be good enough to earn or win our salvation. Only the light of Christ brings life to sinful and broken men. As Jesus entered the world, a dark and broken world, he was the light of God, dispelling the darkness, pushing it back, forcing it into retreat. Retreat. But John says something else in verse five. He, he, look at what he says. He says, um, it was the light of, uh, was, was the life, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and then what, look at what he says. And the darkness has not overcome it. Not only is Jesus the light that dispels, but he is also the light that overcomes. Now, when light shines into darkness, It exposes the works of darkness. Verse 5 begins with what seems like a simple descriptive statement. The light shines in the darkness. It sounds like he's just saying somebody turned on the lights. Jesus came and illuminated everything. However, I think this seemingly simple description is actually a declaration of war. I I think he's saying something here that's much more serious than just turning on the lights. You see light is never neutral darkness and light cannot work out their differences so that they can coexist in a happy harmony they don't ever get along where light is darkness must flee when you shine light into darkness that's a conflict between the two one must surrender to the other This is the nature of light. And that it pushes back against darkness, that it dispels the darkness, and it exposes what the darkness had covered. Evil and sin always live in darkness. Know why? Because it covers, it hides, it obscures. I mean, this is old. You wanna go back to Genesis 3? The very first thing that Adam and Eve did was cover themselves. The very first act was to cover themselves. And the next act was to hide from God. Sin, wickedness, loves the darkness because it hides, it obscures, it covers. Those who love the darkness hate the exposure of light, but those who love the Lord rejoice in the coming of his light Jesus stepped into a world darkened by sin and shone forth the light of God and in so doing he exposed our sin he revealed the lies of Satan and he showed clearly the hope of salvation Friends listen very carefully to this statement the birth of Jesus was not neutral The birth of Jesus was not neutral. It was a declaration of war against this sinful world It was an exposure of the darkness of this world and all that it had covered. The ministry of Jesus was not neutral. The cross was not neutral. The resurrection was not neutral. The establishment of the church was not neutral. The the advancement of the kingdom of God is not neutral. All these things were God actively working against the darkness of this world, exposing the works of darkness, and revealing the hope of God in the salvation of Jesus. The light... Has overcome you see darkness will war but it will not win praise god for that later in chapter 3 john would record the words of jesus saying this for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed The light shining into the darkness was not neutral, and neither is the reaction of the world. Friends, when Jesus stepped into this world, bringing the light of Christ, the light of the gospel, that was not a neutral act, and neither was this world neutral in its response. The world hates the light and has and will, until Jesus comes again, war against it. There's a hopeful word in verse 5 that the, the world is in opposition to the light, but it will not overcome the light. Now, the last word of verse 5 has been translated sometimes as overcome. That's generally the way it's translated in modern translations, but if you're reading an older translation, sometimes it's translated as understood. The word that's being translated can have a couple of different meanings. It, it certainly can mean a a sense of grasp or seizing or apprehending someone it can mean to understand or to grasp intellectually but it also can mean to overtake in pursuit or to overcome the literal meaning means to gain control to overcome to gain control of this is the meaning, this, this gaining control of is the meaning that is used in, in Rome, Romans chapter 12, excuse me, in, in John chapter 12 where it says, the light is, is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Now it is certainly true that the darkness of this world does not comprehend or understand the light of God's truth. That's not a terrible translation of the word. However, I think the word that best captures the meaning that John is communicating in verse five is translating it as overcome. The darkness of this world has and will do all it can to extinguish and snuff out the light of God. When you read the testimony of Jesus in his birth in the Gospel of Matthew, you will read that when he was born, The wickedness of the world reared up in brilliant display. Herod, hearing that there was a threat to his kingdom by a king born in his kingdom, ordered that all the Hebrew baby boys to be murdered. Can you imagine? In fact, that's why, because they were warned by an angel, Jesus and his family fled to Egypt to avoid the murderous rage of Herod. Is that not the wickedness of this world attempting to snuff out the light of Christ? Satan and all the forces of darkness attempted to overthrow the kingdom of God by killing Jesus on the cross. Spiritually and physically, the death of Jesus was the darkest moment in the history of the world. In fact, at that moment, the very sun refused to shine. The world was plunged into physical darkness. And yet this moment is not a moment where the darkness found victory. This is a moment where the light of God shone most brilliantly. From the moment of the resurrection, the light of Christ has only grown and the darkness has only retreated. Until Jesus returns, the darkness of this world will war and rage against the light of the gospel. But listen carefully. This is a battle whose outcome has already been determined. Like the morning sunrise dispels the grip of darkness has on the world and demands that it surrender in defeat, so is the glory that, uh, of the light of the gospel. Darkness is presently warring against the light, but it will not overcome the light. What a good and hopeful word. The church at times gets, has a tendency to despair. Maybe some of you have despaired. Oh, it seems as though the gospel is in retreat. Oh, it seems as though the, the church is in, in decline. Oh, it seems as though the kingdom of God is no longer advancing. Oh, friends, listen to me carefully. The light of Christ has shined into this world. It is only advancing, it is only increasing. The darkness of this world hates it and is warring against it, but it will not, it cannot overcome it. It's a hopeful word. Now I want you to see one other thing out of this passage and that is that Jesus is the true light. And I won't skip all the way down to, to verse nine. In between verse five and nine, John gives us the account of John the Baptist and he says, he was not the light, He was a witness to the light. And then he tells us in verse 9, the true light, speaking here again of Jesus, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Friends, Jesus is the genuine light of God. That's what verse 9 uses, that that word where where, where most of your Bibles translate that as true light That that word simply means pertaining to being what something should be, genuine, sincere, or true. So this is the real deal. It's the the, uh, genuine uh, truth, a light of God. John is making a distinction between Jesus and every other good thing. John the Baptist was a good thing, declaring, preparing the way for Jesus, but he was not the light. And I use the word here, good, not in the sense of perfection, but in our common usage of something that is recognized as helpful or beneficial. My friends, in this world, there are many things that have been helpful and beneficial to man. This could be a list that was forever long, but just some big, general things. Art and creativity, God has used to benefit and to bless humanity. Art, music, and the written word have often been a blessing to man by inspiring, by communicating heartfelt feelings, by reflecting even the glory of God. And yet, no matter how beautiful, no matter how amazing, no matter how uh, wonderful art, music, or the things written by man can be, none of that can save man from his sin. Man's intellect has accomplished much through academic pursuits just think about modern medicine the things that are no big deal today for our grandparents were like put you in the hospital for a week kind of things aren't you thankful for that Modern medicine, modern engineering, computer technology, so many things of our modern age are wonderful, have benefited humanity, have have caused us to flourish and have reduced or diminished our suffering, and yet, no matter the amazing accomplishment of men's intellect, these things cannot and will not save us in eternity. Now this one you might not go with me on, but just follow me here. Government. I know we like to complain about government, But we must recognize that the accomplishment of a civil society that is ruled by law is an amazing accomplishment of men. It is an amazing accomplishment of men and has brought about untold blessing and flourishing for mankind. And we should be thankful for that. But friends, there is no government under heaven. There is no law that can be written. They can save wicked men for eternity. These things may be in some small part a reflective of God's glory. They may be in some small part a good thing. They may be in some small part demonstrating light, like that faint glow of algae in in uh, in the ocean that Lovell was able to see. But John says of Jesus, he alone, is the genuine light of God. Friends, don't be distracted by substitutes. Don't be distracted by things that are similar or reflective. No, John says we turn our attention to the true light of God. And in him is salvation only. In fact, I would just simply say the only hope of salvation is in Jesus This side of heaven, the world will offer you many temporary knockoff and perfect lights. Listen, right now, you are hearing the, the argument made that hope and salvation can be found in government. Just get the right government. Just get the right law. You hear some talk about the technology can fix things and make things better. Just get the right technology. The world will offer all sorts of things that that promise good and health and healing. The world can only offer partial help and partial hope. Jesus alone offers true eternal salvation. The light of the gospel shines on all who would believe and would be saved. That's why John says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Friends, salvation. The hope of salvation, the knowledge of God, being made right in the eyes of God. Salvation of God is only found in the true, genuine light of Christ. As John begins his Gospel, he declares the light of Christ has punctuated the darkness of this world And in him alone is salvation. When I was in high school, I had an opportunity to travel to Hawaii. And I remember my my dad telling me, now, son, the distance between Georgia and California is shorter than the distance between California and Hawaii. It's not so when they draw it on the map. That is true in actual miles. Miles. And the way it worked out for our travels is that when we left LAX airport to fly to Hawaii, we left in the evening, and so almost immediately as we got up in the air and we left the west coast of the United States, we found ourselves flying through the dark of night. Now, there's a weird sensation when you fly through the dark of the night because you can look out your airline window and you see absolutely nothing. You can't see clouds. There's, there was a, it was, a, I guess, a moonless night because it was dark, dark. And so you couldn't see any clouds. You could not see the, 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 the water below you. And so it, visually, there was no difference between the water below you and the sky above you. It was just a vast expanse of darkness. Even the navigation lights on the plane, you could see blinking, but they blinked, the, the, the light seemed to just emit and be swallowed up in the darkness of the night. Now, it's a long flight, four, five-hour flight. And so as you fly over the ocean, it, um, you, you, you somewhat get a comp, a, a, a familiar with uh, just looking out and seeing nothing. But I will never forget the experience of when we got close enough to Honolulu to see the lights of the city. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the, up in the cockpit, the, the pilots, hopefully they had GPS. They knew where they were going. But you know, it's a pretty amazing uh, feat to, to leave LA and to, to, to navigate yourself to a little dot of land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. That's a big deal. So I'm sure they were, they were following GPS and other things that pilots used to navigate, and I'm sure they were looking at the, air, at the airport lights and the, and the, and the runway lights. But, but from our limited view out the side of the airplane, out of the dark of night, there began to be this amazing amber glow almost like a dome in the sky. Because as we flew closer to Honolulu, the street lights, the, the house lights, the, the, just the regular lights that were on the cars and those sort of things were punctuating the darkness of the vast expanse over the Pacific Ocean. And even from hundreds of miles away, we could see a dot of light in the, in the, uh, out, in the, out in the ocean and out in front of us. And there was a sense of hopefulness. We're not flying to nowhere. We're not going to just fly until we run out of fuel and fall into the sea. No, there's there's land in front of us. There is hope in front of us. There is light showing the way in front of us. There is something powerful about light punctuating the darkness and demonstrating the way. I was a high school student flying on an airplane. I'll never forget that moment. How much more is the light of Christ punching into the darkness of this world more glorious and more amazing? Oh, friends, we live in a world that is darkened and covered by sin. And yet the hope of the gospel is this, that Jesus has come, and the light of Christ has inter- has, has, is, uh, has interrupted the darkness of this world, and that all those who would look to Jesus and receive the light of the gospel would be saved from this perverse and this broken generation. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsr.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 10:30 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening. And until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the kingdom.